Hello, and welcome to this special podcast from Standard Chartered. I'm Anisha Tank. We all have role models in life, and my three guests are exactly that to many clients, friends, and family members. We're talking to Simon Cooper, CEO, CCIB, and CEO Europe and the Americas at Standard Chartered. Also from Standard Chartered, Michelle Wee, CEO of Vietnam, and Suad Benkreda, board member, Standard Chartered Saudi Arabia, Global Head Strategic Investor Group Sales. I want to start with you, Simon. Where in the world are you right now? I'm in Frankfurt on my first business trip of 2021. All right, Michelle, where in the world are you? Hi, everybody. Uh, greetings from Ho Chi Minh City. Suad, where in the world are you? I am in Dubai, where I am based, but I just came off um, also my first business trip last week where I was in Frankfurt and in London. And it was great to be back seeing clients and visiting colleagues face to face. Well, it's wonderful and quite warming to my heart to feel like things are feeling a little bit more normal again after what's been a rough couple of years. But we've got lots to celebrate and I'm keen to get into it. The three of you are no ordinary team members. You've all made it to the heroes list, which celebrates company leaders who support women in business. So the nominations were made by peers of yours and also your colleagues, and then they were reviewed by a panel of judges. You've got fascinating stories to tell, and I'm sure that you can share a lesson or two as well that those listening can then use in their own organizations or in their own departments, which is going to be phenomenal. Simon, let's say a little bit about you. You've initiated a major shift in Standard Chartered's diversity and inclusion agenda. You've become chair of the Global DNI Council, and that means you're responsible for the bank's focus in engaging all genders, providing continuous support, and working towards gender equality for some 95,000 colleagues across 59 markets engaging with clients, suppliers, and communities. Wonderful that your work is being celebrated in this way. How does it feel to be on this list? I think the, uh, the list as itself has become you know, a really valuable benchmark for the, for the progress we're making. But actually, from my perspective, it's really the tip of the iceberg. What it really represents is, is the huge amount of work being done by so many people across the organization. You know, as you say, it's tens of thousands of colleagues across the world many, many, many of whom are really actively engaged in everything we're trying to do about diversity. But I think the real celebration to me isn't just being awarded, it's when we see the outputs of what we're doing. So the fact that we've got Suad and Michelle you know, sitting in tremendous leadership roles in the organisation, acting as real heroes or heroines and driving our business. Let's check in with Michelle what does it mean to be CEO of Vietnam, Standard Chartered? And what does being on the heroes list mean to you? I think I'm really uh, grateful for this opportunity because it, it let me look at the entire bank, every facet of banking, and how do we actually bring it all together? Something which, if I wasn't in Standard Chartered, I'm not sure I've ever had this opportunity. So I'd say, you know, whatever Simon just said has been tremendous. Having a boss and a DNI advocate makes all the difference in the world. I am a real life example of what having DNI and champions is taking chances on me uh, in terms of different skill sets, challenges, product, and the confidence to deliver and the confidence to pay it forward. So I'm really curious about how you're feeling to be on this list. When I was on the list for the first time, I didn't even know that the list existed. 
And a millennium colleague in Dubai actually put me on this list and I didn't even know what it was. She said, I've put you on this list because you made a personal difference to my life. I felt that was really strong and motivated me to continue to do what I'm doing again with the support of all my colleagues and, and Michelle and Simon in particular. Can we dig a little bit deeper into how you felt when this person said, you actually changed my life? When someone says that to you, how does that feel? It almost feels reassuring that what you're doing, which is not always easy, we've got this drive to change. And then on the other hand, try to have as many people as possible behind you, which doesn't always go hand in hand. So you need to find that fine balance. And somebody telling you, you have actually made a difference to us on the ground was just also reassuring me that there was something right that we were doing as a team and that we should continue doing it despite maybe some momentarily challenges that we have. Suad, you have quite a story about your journey to where you are today. Can you share a little bit of that with us? I come from a very non-banking background. My parents are from Algeria. My father was an independency fighter. As I grew older, I found out more what he um, has done, and that inspired me a lot to really do the right thing. Both my parents have immigrated to Europe from Algeria, and then they had to really start from scratch in, in a very modest background. My father was a blue-collar worker who was working night shifts, and my mother was uh, caring for us and being a housewife, uh, staying at home. And when I was about 18, I had to make a quite dramatic decision in my life. Am I going to, to go the traditional path within our family, which is to marry early, to depend on your husband, or will I choose a different path as the first one ever who would attend university in my family? Then I was looking at my grade and I was thinking, I'm so intellectually curious and I think I can do so much more with my life and going a completely different path, which then eventually led me to banking was just a cornerstone in my life to have this family support as well to go a very, very different path. So I promised myself when I get in a position of seniority, I will first of all always try to stay authentic and then secondly really try to pull others up with me and motivate others who could come from similar backgrounds. Michelle, in the course of your work, have you met people who've had those 180 moments? Since coming to Vietnam, I've heard uh, lots of stories and there is a, a lot of uh, cultural dynamics here. And being deep in Asia and being in a rather traditional cultural society, I've heard of stories where the expectation of females, it's still very much to stay at home. I've heard stories where their parents, even their moms have said to them, why are you so successful? Why are you not home taking care of your children? And this was a very successful partner in a very large audit firm onshore. But yet they still choose to, to be different from the expectation and the norm. And it gives you a lot of uh, courage to want to share their stories to other females who are struggling in the same cultural norms. The most important um, is to be able to have an environment where all of us are openly sharing, to be authentic, to be supportive, and by living the values, giving them the courage, setting up the environment where they can be successful and just being a sounding board for them. I think it's very helpful. And Simon, the last time we spoke, it was on International Women's Day. And we know that Standard Chartered puts a lot of effort into celebrating International Women's Day. But the conversation we've just been having about these pivotal moments or that reminder that there are options, that is partly what 
IWD is all about, isn't it? The role of something like International Women's Day or you know, we've just had Mental Health Day, these are all to act as catalysts to, to raise awareness and to keep awareness throughout the year in an industry that I think you know, is making progress but comes from typically a position of lack of gender diversity. Using International Women's Day as a showcase for the stories like the ones we've just heard, that really encourages more people to really be confident in terms of their ability to move up through the organization. It's a call to action to recognize talent and ensure that energy that comes from having a diverse workforce is reflected in everything that we do. By having that focus, we have increased retention rates, we have increased the proportion of senior women in the firm, and the more we can do to encourage the Suaz, the Michelles in the organization, the better. Simon. In hearing both of those stories, how does it make you feel when you know the contribution that the organisation, that your policies have made to both of these women? Both of these women would have been successful, whatever they chose to do, they're, they're that sort of person. But if what we have been able to do at Standard Charters is to give them a platform and give them career opportunities to accelerate that success, then it makes me and many others around the organisation incredibly proud. Michelle, how do you feel within the context of, you know, the policies and the encouragement that you've got? Incredibly lucky and grateful that Standard Chartered has taken, I think now, three big chances on me with my role changes. It is with the confidence, the trust and the empowerment of this organization that I am where I am. The big difference I feel is the confidence to just get on with it the network has my back. This, as an individual, makes me want to pay it forward wholeheartedly every day to acknowledge the advocacy for females. I don't see boundaries, just possibilities for anyone to be the best that they can be. A specific example um, I can share is during my times at financial markets, where we delivered our gender targets in a single year and increased our female population, in senior roles from 19 to 24%. It was a tough challenge, but we all got behind it and we did it. It's got everything to do with standard chartered policies and the environment in which they've created the opportunities. So uh, has that been your experience as well? Absolutely. And Michelle has really done a tremendous job to build a solid pipeline of female talent. That's super important because we really need a long-term fix and not just a short-term fix. When we talk about female talent, I just want to reiterate that it's not a zero-sum game. It's very important to bring our male colleagues alongside us. And Michelle, I think, has done that tremendously well when she was heading the DNI Council. It's all about creating equal opportunities. So you're operating in a market, in a part of the world where there is a lot of work to be done on encouraging more women to even consider a career in banking. Can you just walk us through some of the cultural concerns that you come up against and how you handle them? I have worked in London, Frankfurt, Dubai and Paris, so I was lucky enough to experience different cultures and be exposed to a variety of clients. And I would say that things might, might not be as you think they are. In 2008, I have first uh, traveled to Saudi Arabia where I was responsible for the Middle Eastern team. We were visiting a government-owned entity and back then women were not allowed to go into the main entrance of this government-owned entity and we were going to meet with the CFO. 
And rather than being disheartened or demotivated, I said, I respect that and we'll just find another solution or maybe I can dial in. And then the client apologized. He said, I'm so sorry. I didn't let them know at the entrance that you were coming. It's my bet. So please come. And we have found another way to physically get me into the building. But my summary was that was the moment where actually we created the bond with the client because he was sorry that this was an experience that I had. I was actually always viewing this positively because I know that these are the rules and it's not a problem for me. It created a great bonding opportunity between the two of us. And he was extremely friendly. I would say that there are maybe barriers where you think that these are perceived negative barriers, but you can take them or can you, you can convert them into opportunities and they, they create a bond. And again, looking at my Middle Eastern time since 2008, the clients have been extremely welcoming. Michelle, let's talk about how you staff. So there were some really interesting stats that came from Vietnam. 69% of employees are female, 39% of people leaders, 53% of Exco is female. Why do statistics matter? And what story are these numbers telling us? The good news is that my people leader stats has increased to 44%. We continue to make a good stride. And I'm like a babe in a candy store. I think in Vietnam, we have leapfrogged the attracting the gender challenge. And now we are deep into the coaching and infusing uh, my female cohort with skills building confidence, breaking glass ceilings, uh, pushing boundaries, all the things which we need uh, for females to really get in their head that it's level playing field. I am a big advocate of targets. And in this case, gender target. Uh, it, with these obvious commitments, uh, I, I feel that we really leave no ambiguity in our commitment. So Standard Charter, for example, has made very bold stands and having delivered uh, in 2020, the goal of 30% women in senior roles, and now target uh, 35% by 2025, I'm very confident that we will deliver. Simon, you've been described as having shifted in a major way the bank's DNI policies. Was that ever a challenging task? And have you faced pushback? No, I don't think I've, I've faced pushback. What I would say to those people who, who perhaps are less willing to change is the bigger risk is to do nothing. Think about an entirely male organization. Think about an organization with a single ethnicity. We all know how badly that organization would perform. We know how clients would react, probably with their feet, and how it would miss out on the huge talent pool that's available to it. Think the other way and think about an organization that's entirely free of gender bias and, and you end up with a 50-50 male-female split. Imagine the energy of that organization. Imagine the client connectivity. And then you start to see what the, the business imperative for doing that is. From my perspective, making sure the business owns the challenge, making sure that people throughout the organization are accountable to, to deliver against the challenge and making sure that the results are visible from the top at the board and CEO level all the way down is something that acts as a, a lubricant and a barrier to people pushing back. So uh, I'm going to share a very brief personal story. When I got into a particular university, I was told by a male student that I was at college with that the reason I was offered a place was because I was South Asian and female and that I went to a school that was not a private school. And so because I had that background, that was the reason I was given a place and he was not given that place. And at the time, I decided to shrug it off and say, I went into this 
process being myself because I need to know that being myself is enough. What does authenticity mean to you? Thanks a lot for sharing this story, Manisha, and reminds me a bit of some of the comments that I personally received because I'm African, Muslim, female, Arab. So there are some people who think, oh, you've gotten this because you belong to this or that minority. I face the same doubts. In my view, authenticity is the key to success and personal happiness. So rather than seeing it as an impediment, to be authentic, especially when you come from a background which maybe does not match the majority of either the team or the institution or the industry that you work in, I think it is exactly the key to differentiating yourself in a positive way. When I was maybe two years into my career, I was invited to a dinner with select people and a very, very senior person who was heading client coverage. And then the waiter comes with the wine list and then he says to me, you're the only woman, so you choose the wine. And then I said, well, I don't drink. And then he was genuine and he told me, that's such a shame because we had great plans for you to become a very senior client-facing person, but you can't if you can't really have a dinner and, and share a glass of wine with the clients. And he was serious. I never took it as an offense. But what it did to me, I went home on that evening and I was just sad because I was thinking, that's a shame that I won't be able to have a career in banking. Not a single second was I thinking to change myself to have a career in banking. And remember, this was at the beginning of my career coming from a very modest background and I really never thought of changing myself because then that's not me. And that made me go back and think, okay, so either I make it with the person who I am and I think that should be positively differentiating or I won't make it, but that's not the end of the world because I wouldn't be happy not to be authentic. And I've tried to keep that until today. Michelle, what would you say to other women who want to go in this direction? And what would you like to hear more of in this type of discussion in the future? Let's have more stories because these just flush out so many things and it gives you so much more confidence to continue sharing your own personal stories that other women resonate with. And then we can all move forward together. What do I want to see more of? I'd say even more leadership and sponsorship from the top men advocating for females earlier. I think we need the other half of the population advocating for us, not just advocating for ourselves. You know, let's stop treating it like a woman's issue. Focusing exclusively on women rather than engaging men, we risk the unintended consequences of alienating men and jeopardizing the success of our gender initiatives. So it's everybody's benefit to be inclusive and certainly celebrate 50% of the whole population. Simon, what's on the agenda? Have you got more big plans ahead? I think continued push to do more, continued publication of, of progress against targets, continue to hold people accountable. And with that, just a last opportunity for me to congratulate the three of you once more for being on the Heroes List 2021. That wraps things up from me. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Michelle and Suad. I'm Anisha Tank. Thanks for joining us and goodbye.